Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to the 20th episode of Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers. Yeah, 20 episodes feels good, man. Mm -hmm. I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Uh, it's so nice to meet you, Dan. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, wife. Uh, yeah, and creeps, if you're new to the show, you're the person who, you know, can't get enough of horror. You want more, more, more. Love it, love it, love it. You know, watch it all day long and then just go to bed with the lights off. No problem. Uh, peepers, y- you like it and you hate it. It scares you, but you keep listening. I'm a massive peeper. Mm-hmm. Massive. I was so scared last night. The story, the fan story for this oh, week yeah, is you going told to me it's terrifying. mess you up. Yeah, we have Lindsay has one story, a longer story, very long. That was really freaking her out last night when we were putting the uh, final touches on the on the prep for the episode. Uh, and I have two, and, and I feel like um, yeah, both of the stories. I was working on them also before last week's episode. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think last week's episode was plenty scary, but this these stories were bothering me more. Okay, okay, well. Mm-hmm. Fun, fun times for everyone. <laughs> uh, if you can't watch the show on YouTube, any pictures we will talk about today will be posted on our Instagram and Facebook at Scared to Death Podcasts. Uh, thank you for the continued ratings and reviews. It helps us so much. It helps this uh, new show of ours find a new audience. Yeah. So if you want to be helping us, or like we get emails like, "Oh, how can I help you guys?" Right. Uh, just keep spreading the word, ratings and reviews in all the places, mm-hmm. and yeah, find us on social media. Comment, be involved there, and all those things. All those things. All the things. Uh, keep sending your own personal true tales of horror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. We love them. Yes. It's part of what makes the show so awesome. So mm-hmm. thank you. My favorite part of the show. And uh, also, quick uh, note to our producer, Joe. Joe, we can hear you through our headphones. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I was trying so, to ignore it. I was I know, like, I, uh, wanted to, I wanted to bring it up before we got into the show. Hello? Uh, there is Joe. Joe. Uh, not- Sorry about that. 
<laughs> Joe, are you there? <laughs> there, Joe's gone. We, <laughs> we, we could hear Joe breathing and getting ready before the show, which would not add to a, a ambiance of horror. I was imagining like the dogs are in the studio today, and I was just imagining that at some really intense moment, we just hear Penny and Ginger like their little ding, 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 ding. jingle jangle of their collars. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thanks, thanks for scooping up. Hey, you know what's podcasting? Hey, yeah. what can you do? Uh, yes, exactly. This is real time. It's one cut. One take. One take. So far, one take every show. First first take. No technical problems. Knock on wood. Oh, uh, thanks for scooping up new merch. <gasps> Check it out. Badmagicmerch.com. Where's, where's my camera? That's oh, my camera. Oh, there you go. Look at that. Yep, Lindsay's got the My First Amulet shirts. Oh, man. Spicy Club, who does the merch for podcast or Time Suck, also doing the merch for so good. Scared of Death and So Good. I also have a uh, one of our new shirts that I love, this this crazy black and white, just moth, creepy moth, kind of a yeah. culty looking shirt. Very cool. Joe's out there. You can't see him, but he has a, a heavy metal kind of, you know, uh, Scared of Death shirt. It's just, we're, we're proud of it. Lindsay has a, has a coffee cup. I just love that we have cool stuff early on. So very exciting. If you if you want to check that out, you just go to badmagicmerch.com, click on collections, and then you'll see the scared to death line. And merch is M-E-R-C-H for anyone who thinks it's with a U. Oh, all right. Yep. Okay. Bad Magic Merch. M-E-R-C-H dot com. So Lindsay has her story. I will be telling two stories, uh, supposedly true tales from the web. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, first, the first one, quick tale. Of something terrorizing a young woman uh, when she drives home from work late one evening. Oh, fuck off. Could I get my protection blanket on? Yes, get it okay, on now. Okay. There are also in the store, I'm just waiting on mine to get here, oh. uh, protection blankets. Nice. So help yourself. So what did this woman see uh, and what has the thing been up to since she, since she saw it? And then the second story, pretty famous horror tale. Uh, it's a story behind one of my favorite horror movies of all time. One Lindsay and I watched together in the theater. Oh, no. Where I recall, uh, she jumped quite a quite a bit. Shut her eyes. This is the real story behind the Conjuring. No, no, I'm fucking out. Which is that 2013 James Wan directed, I think, horror masterpiece. One of my favorite modern horror. Oh movies. my god, please, babe. Do you have a backup story? Nope, that's it. That's the one we're doing. Fuck, Joe. Can you come in for the second story? <laughs> no, you're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear. All it. I can do is leave my mic on. <laughs> <laughs> can you breathe heavily into my ear? <sighs> oh man, take the Fuck. edge off. Oh my god, I'm already so scared. Okay, good, good. No. Yeah, it was freaking me out. It was freaking me out uh, no, thinking about damn. story elements. No. And the first one, cre- creepy as well. So okay. let's. All right. Well, a little bit of setup. Can I just, the first. Just yeah. one thing. Mm-hmm. One thing. Got to talk about my socks this socks. week. They're, well, they were sent in by a fan. Oh, and sweet. I'm, I'm so sorry because I'm terrible with remembering a week later. But look, new unicorns. Oh. New unis. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm prepared. I'm locked. I'm loaded. I've got. Two beverages. I wish I had three, but that's fine. Okay. Okay, Dan, take this me down the story, rabbit hole. A little bit of a baby horror tale. A little, little devilish, little vignette. Uh, I found it after a lot of digging into some user-submitted horror chat rooms online where, you know, a lot of the stories seem pretty obviously made up. But then every once in a while, you run into one and you're like, oh my God, I hope this is made up. Because it seems like it is not. And it really creeps me out. Very unsettling. Uh, so I want to share it with you and all of our creeps and peepers so we can all be scared together. Okay. Fun. The story takes place in a nice, a nice area. It takes place in Hawaii. Mm. Oh, great! On the island of Oahu. No. Mm-hmm. The unnamed young woman claiming to have encountered something strange and horrific says that prior to this encounter, uh, she did not believe in ghosts or in the paranormal. But now she is a believer, also afraid of what may be out there, what science doesn't know about or have a name for just yet. Since she doesn't give us her name, I'm going to call her Sheila. It'll just make telling her story a lot easier. Okay. Sheila says that before this encounter, she was also a devout atheist. That's her, mm. her word, devout atheist. But now while she is 
uh, still doesn't know exactly what is on the other side. She definitely believes that something else is out there. Mm-hmm. Time now for the tale of the woman in the street. Sheila was driving home from work when it happened. It was 3 a.m. She had just arrived about a block from her townhouse complex, and she started looking for parking on the street. The complex's parking lot was being refinished, and everyone in the complex had to park on the street, which left finding a spot a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Also, all the street lights were out. Odd, she'd never noticed that before. All of them. All of them. In this area, near the where she was living, all the street lights are out. She assumes it must be because of some electrical work being done during the parking lot construction process. She passes by a park, slowly begins to turn left to look for more parking, when suddenly she slams on her brakes. There was a lady dressed in a white muumuu, one of those traditional Hawaiian dresses, standing perfectly still in the middle of the road at 3 o'clock in the morning. Fuck no. At first, Sheila thought she'd nearly hit a pedestrian. But then when she really examined what was in front of her, her skin crawled. The woman's dress was torn and ragged near where feet should have been. But she didn't seem to have any feet. Mm-mm. She seemed to be just floating there. Her long black hair fell down in front of her face, similar to the villain in the Ring movie, hiding most of her features, hiding her eyes, if she even had eyes. Oh, dear. Sheila had no interest in stopping her car and finding out who this woman was or what this woman was. So before she came to a complete stop, she honked her horn several times, swerved to the left to drive around her. As she passed by, the dark-haired woman jerked her face towards Sheila's car and then lunged towards the driver's side door. No, 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 no. When she got within a few feet, Sheila saw that her dark Polynesian face seemed to be covered in blood. Did she lock the door? Did she lock the door? Oh, my God. Also, maybe even more disturbing than having a bloody face, this thing was carrying a dirty baby doll. Oh. After seeing the doll, Sheila floored it. After maybe two seconds, she looked in her rearview mirror, almost had a heart attack. The lady was somehow right behind her. Oh, my God. This thing followed Sheila for about half a mile, oh, seeming fuck. to float behind her at upwards of 50 miles an hour as she did a wide loop around the giant townhouse complex. Stop it. After about five minutes, she made it back to where she'd originally seen her, and there she was again. The way Sheila explains that a normal person should have never been able to beat her back to the spot of the original sightings. It would take a good two minutes to get back there in a car. It should have taken at least four or five for someone to make it back on foot. Yet there she was, standing in the middle of the road again, cradling that creepy, dirty doll. What the fuck? Now she was angry. She was enraged, slamming the doll around, screaming in some other language. Sheila sped away again, and after about five minutes, she drove back by again and saw that she was still there. Still standing way too close to Sheila's complex for her to feel comfortable parking anywhere nearby and then walking home by herself in the middle of the night. I guess you're sleeping in your car tonight. Even though she knew her story sounded crazy, Sheila called the police. She told them some strange lady was standing in the middle of the street near her townhouse complex. She left out the details about the doll, the bloody face, and the floating instead of walking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The police sent someone to follow her home, and of course, by the time she got back, this woman in the street was nowhere to be found. And now all of the streetlights were back on. What? Sheila apologized for it looking like she had made the whole thing up. She thanked the cop for her following her home, and then she hurried into her house and quickly locked the door. The next day, her neighbor, who was a good friend of Sheila's mom, someone who had known her literally her entire life, texted her wondering why she had been driving so erratically and honking her horn the night before. 
This neighbor could see the road where Sheila had been had seen the angry woman with the doll from her bedroom, and she said she'd seen Sheila weave all over the road as she sped off. She couldn't figure out why she was doing that since she couldn't see anything else in the street. Oh, fuck me. Sheila told her what had happened, and the neighbor told her to go home and pray. Sheila did not go home and pray, and she says she is still still dealing with nightmares about that night. I bet. She says that ever since this happened, several times a week, she wakes up paralyzed, sees the woman from that night standing at the foot of her bed, no. staring at her with her horrible, bloody face, always holding that doll. Oh, fuck. And there's one last disturbing detail to the story. A few weeks after Sheila saw whatever she saw that night, there was a terrible accident near the townhouse late one evening. No. A young couple both died when their car ran off the road and slammed straight into a tree. It appeared as if they had accelerated into the tree rather than slamming on their brakes when they had swerved off the road. And this happened, of course, exactly where Sheila had seen that woman. What the hell? I have chills everywhere. Yeah, creepy story, right? Fucking creepy. Oh my God, I can never drive home alone at night ever again. Can you, can you imagine if you, you just, were... You just ruined your own life. <laughs> we live so close to our studio mm-hmm. that it is illogical that we come to work in two cars, and yet we do because our days take us in different yeah, directions. different schedules. Guess what's going to be happening now? <laughs> A lot of carpooling? A lot of um, me and you getting in... Oh God, how's this going to work? I can't get in my car alone. I guess we're leaving cars at the studio overnight now. Oh, man. But yeah. can, can you imagine driving driving home or wherever, like the middle of the night, especially home, where you're about well, to feel like I you're safe. Of course I can imagine this. Right, right. In this dark street, and then there is some yes. entity in the middle of the road. I, I so clearly envisioned oh, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. One of my apartments in L.A. before we met, is I lived, uh, if anybody is familiar with LA or is in the LA area. I lived at the basically at the corner of Wilshire and La Brea. And so we were one block over and we lived in this building that had this like giant faux portico. It was really beautiful, like sort of like castle-esque kind of building. Mm-hmm. It was all street parking. On, so you had to park it on, I think it was like sixth. You had to park mm-hmm. on the street, but at the end of the street, there was a parking lot and you could pay, but oftentimes it was very full. And because of the way street parking is in, you know, most major cities, it's like you can have a permit for your block. Yeah. But, but if you can't find a spot on your block, you're fucked and you got to start looping other blocks and find non-permitted areas. Right. It's very I hard. This was so real to me because I can't tell you how many times at three in the morning coming home from a production job. Right. Four in the morning or leaving at three or four in the morning. Right. Right. Walking outside by myself, just with my fucking cell phone flashlight, mm-hmm. hoping for the best. I mean, it was a good neighborhood, right? Sure, sure. And there were street lights, but like, oh but, my God, if that happened, uh, I'm just driving to a police station. And I would have those thoughts too. Like, okay, why is that car following me? Is that car following me? Okay, where's the nearest police station? Because if someone's following you, you're supposed to just drive to a police station and lay on your horn. Like, don't ever yeah. get out of the car. Like, that story is so fucked up, dude. Why would you tell me that story? <laughs> Here's some pictures associated Fuck, with the story. I'm never driving home. This, this first picture is what uh, comes up when you Google oh. scary woman in the street. Can, Fuck. Can, can, can we get that big, Joe? Um, oh, my God. Check this out. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Seeing that when you're out alone. Oh, my God. Also, we live on a very dark road. I know. Cool. I know. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. And you're going out of town soon mm-hmm. so fun mm-hmm. <laughs> this next this next picture is uh what comes up when you google scary woman with a doll 
Uh, this is <laughs> this is Marilyn Mansfield, is what she called herself. A woman who lives in New York has three kids, has over five hundred creepy dolls. Creepy doll collector. Oh my god, her poor kids. Oh my god. <laughs> Isn't that like a habit that you could just take up, or I'm sorry, a hobby you could take up after your kids are out of the house? Uh, yeah. How, how are they ever gonna have playdates? I know. No one's I know. coming over. No one's. No. Oh my god. No. If oh, I came over to that house when I was a kid. Fuck that. This is what comes up when you Google scary Hawaiian woman. This is amazing how many images are out there on the Ooh. web. Yeah, that woman, like, that's what I kind of pictured in that story. Oh, Yee. I don't like that. Can we get that big, Joe? So no, we'll, thanks. So Lindsay can get a really good look at it. Oh, God. God, motherfucker. Okay, and then this final one, just to take the edge off, is what comes up when you Google scary Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> okay, fair. And that, I love that it's amazing what all is on the internet, where it's like you can Google scary Hawaiian pizza, and it's a Chucky doll. Uh, like a modified Chucky right. doll. Super modified. Yeah, like really, cu- but like acting like a Chucky is eating some Hawaiian pizza. The scariest part of that is that the Hawaiian pizza has green peppers on it, which ruins the pizza for me. Green peppers ruin everything, Dan. I know, it's heartburn. Dang Instant it. heartburn. Dang it. And it's not a Hawaiian pizza if there's green peppers on it. I know, but it's Canadian bacon pineapple, so. Yeah, you know, but, 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 but. Okay, so that, that story freaked you out already. Dude, not good. And, not now, good. and now we're getting to the one that you're more worried about. I'm just thinking about like, our street because mm-hmm. our street is it's not a busy street where it's not like a main thoroughfare yeah but our street sort of eventually dead ends into like national parklands so there's a lot of traffic for people who want to do like outdoorsy kinds of things yeah and, and oftentimes they're like coming and going very early very late so in my mind i'm like oh my god there's so much traffic yeah and occasionally you'll hear because there's deer and mm-hmm. people, you know, obviously don't want to hit the deer. But now I'm like, oh my God, what if they're breaking because of that woman? Uh-huh. I want to talk to our insurance person after the show, because if, if if you see one of these things and you go crazy, I want to make sure we're covered if I want to put you in a home or something. So I don't have the energy to take care of you. Okay. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers, a candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura Frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura Frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. 
I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Let's get to the second story. <laughs> Time Suck fans who also listen to Scared to Death may remember that I touched on the parent family haunting in Time Suck episode 111. That's a hey, Dan. Yeah, I hate you. Okay. Okay, that's the episode about famed demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh yeah, now, I never even listened to that one because I can't fucking handle it. Well, it's telling a, if, if you've heard that, telling a fuller version of the story today, a spookier version minus any digging into the credibility of any of those involved. Not that there were a lot of problems with credibility in that particular tale. There weren't? No, not really. Yeah, even, even on the analytical time suck, I told that story with the tone of, I don't know, maybe I wasn't there. A lot of people really seem to believe this all happened. It's an interesting, definitely disturbing story no matter how you dissect it. Little bit of setup, and then we'll get right into the scares. Oh God! Don't let me have any weed tonight. Okay, noted. I'll, I'll take your dose. Oh, in God. January of 1971, the seven-person Perrin family moved from Cumberland, Rhode Island, an outer suburb of Providence, into a massive farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, a little census-designated place, a half hour's drive outside of Providence. Quaint little rural New England community. I do love Rhode Island. When I've driven oh. through, it's very, very pretty. I love Providence. Uh, by all accounts, I love the area around it. Like kind of, oh, with, yeah. yeah, the rural area there. By, by all accounts, it should have been the perfect place for the parents to live. When they uh, bought it, they thought of it as a dream home. Very old home that had been called uh, several different names over the many decades of its existence. The Dexter Richardson House, the old Arnold Estate, the old Brook Farm. It was built way back in 1736. That's a lot of people died there then is what you're mm-hmm. telling me sat on 200 acres of undeveloped land, beautiful land, much of it thick forest, a fish field Creek running through it. I mean, a beautiful property, but also terrifying Pro- 200 acres of forest mm-hmm. property. Originally a plantation oh, featured God. 10 bedrooms in a barn, 
Seemed to be the ideal place for a family with five young girls to grow up in. Mm-hmm. The parents were a young family doing well for themselves. Uh, Roger had a great job in Providence. He and his wife were a beautiful couple with beautiful kids. Roger and Carolyn had gotten married in 1957. When Roger was 22, Carolyn was just 18. They'd started trying to have children right away. Their oldest daughter, Andrea, being born just after a year after their wedding, or just over a year. Excited to get further away from the city, live a quieter life when they purchased the big house on the huge property. Roger had been traveling a lot for work, leaving the burden of raising the five daughters to Carolyn, and they wanted to spend more time together as a family before the kids got older and moved out of the house. I get it. Yeah, Roger was going to be able to back off of some of his workload, uh, dreamed of slowing down, enjoying watching his girls grow up in this idyllic setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His daughter Andrea, sometimes called Annie, his first child, had just turned 12 when they moved there. Annie was a tough kid, forceful and aggressive. Shortly before the move, when their previous home had been vandalized, Andrea thought a local boy had something to do with it, and she beat him up. <laughs> Go Annie. Yep, jumped on him, started swinging, pummeling him, actually broke his nose. Fuck yeah, be an Annie. <laughs> right, don't be a Darren, be an Annie. I love uh, it. Three years later, Annie would be kicked out of his or out of her confirmation class, the process by which teenagers become members of the Catholic Church as adults. Okay. They, well, you know, yep. they take on the name of the saint uh, or some other holy name. Uh, Faith is yeah. Lindsay's confirmation name. Yeah. And and by the way, it was like more like, what's oh, a cool name I can take? Okay. Not, Faith. I mean, I'm sure people who are devoutly religious Pick a take saint it. or something. Yeah. yeah. We were like, you be hope and I'll be Faith. Cool. And yeah. Me and my bestie did it together. Annie was actually kicked out of um, her, her confirmation classes because she told uh, the priest that masturbation and homosexuality were not sinful and refused to back down from that position. I fucking love Annie. So feisty. Nancy, the second oldest daughter, almost 11 years old at the time of the move, uh, a spitfire by the family's own description. Tough, tough girl, smart, competitive, tough like her sister Annie. Christine or Chrissy, the middle girl, was almost 10 at the time of the move. Uh, Cynthia or Cindy, the second youngest, nine at the time of the move, sensitive child. And then the baby of the family was April, just five when they all moved in. Another spitfire who would often be sent to detention at school as she got older for acting out. I love it. I love this family. <laughs> mm-hmm. The parents, smart, capable girls, not easily frightened. But they would be frightened, very frightened, in the Rhode Island farmhouse dealing with increasingly malevolent forces. Okay. The parents had gotten a great deal on their new big home, getting it for less than market value. Mm-hmm. Always the situation. Always the situation. The purchase also came with a warning from the previous owners who told them, quote, for the sake of your family, leave the lights on at night. Jesus. Time now for the true tale behind The Conjuring. I don't want it. Almost as soon as they moved in, Carolyn, Roger, and their five daughters began to witness strange, hard-to-explain occurrences. For starters, the family cat... Juliet immediately hated the new home. Juliet would have to be carried inside over the threshold. She wouldn't come into the house on her own, and when she was in the house, she would often growl and hiss at either nothing at all or something only Juliet could see, or she would hide. Then shortly after moving in, Carolyn started noticing that the broom she swept the kitchen floor with would sometimes just go missing, seem to move from place to place on its own. First, it was easy to think that Roger or the kids had moved it, or that she herself had just forgotten where she'd left it. It was, uh, you know, not a big thing to worry about a misplaced broom. But then there were the strange sounds, which were harder to not worry about. Carolyn heard them first. She began to hear the unsettling sound of something scraping against the tea kettle in the kitchen when no one was near it. Fuck. Scrape, scrape, scrape. What was that, a... A piece of metal? Fingernails? 
Carolyn would also hear noises coming from upstairs that sounded like children playing when she was on the main floor. And for a long time, that's exactly what she assumed was going on, that it was just her children upstairs playing. But then one day, chills went down her spine after she'd been listening to those sounds for an extended period of time, and then suddenly her girls all came running inside the house. All of them. God damn it. They'd all been outside of the house the entire time she thought she'd been listening to them play upstairs above her. Uh Uh-uh. She was so convinced someone else was in the house, she almost called the police. She thought someone had broken in, but after a quick, anxious search, she found no one. She found nothing. Carolyn also started finding small piles of dirt in the center of a newly cleaned kitchen floor. The piles would appear suddenly. She'd be doing something in the kitchen, turn around, and the pile would just be there. How? As if some spirit was doing its own house cleaning. And then something or some things began to actually physically touch her. Oh my god. Every once in a while, she'd feel something pinch her or slap her back. She'd turn around expecting to be one of her children playing around with her, only no one would be there. No kids would be near her. Carolyn was the first to believe there must be some unseen paranormal entity or several entities present in this house. She initially didn't say much to Roger. Roger was very skeptical about these things, and she didn't want him to start thinking she'd gone crazy. And he wasn't mentioning anything himself, nothing odd happening to him. He loved their new place. Mm-hmm. The parent girls also loved their new home. They were also initially unbeknownst to Carolyn having their own paranormal experiences inside of it. The parent girls had begun to play with spirits in the home. Spirits that at first appeared friendly. Oh, no, 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 no. Eldest daughter, Andrea, Annie, would say years later, these were spirits who had an attachment to the property. Eight generations of one extended family had lived and died at the farm, and some of them had never left. They had either died by their own hand or died so traumatic a death and so sudden a death that they didn't seem to know they were dead. Jeez. After doing research years later, and due to some seances while she still lived in the haunted home, Annie thinks she has been able to identify some of the ghosts she used to play with. Oh, well, that's helpful. One such spirit was Mrs. John Arnold, who died at the age of 93. She hanged herself in the barn beside the house. But why? Another spirit that the children played with was 11-year-old Prudence Arnold, who had been murdered on the property by a farmhand. No one had ever been able to pin down exactly which one of the workers was responsible for her death. What the fuck? One of the girls' favorite visitors was the spirit of Johnny Arnold. The girls liked him so much, they nicknamed him Manny. Oh, great. Johnny was yet another spirit that had once hanged itself on the property, this time way back in the mid-1700s. Manny seemed to enjoy the company of the young girls, and they claimed to feel him stand over them as they played. He would even partially materialize, and they could see the faint outline of his presence out of the corner of their eyes, but as soon as they would make eye contact or look too directly, he would instantly disappear. Get the fuck out! Another ghost smelled like flowers, and this spirit would visit the girls right before they fell asleep at night. The house seemed to be alive, so full of spirits. The girls also began to hear the mysterious sweeping spirit, the one who likely moved their mother's broom around and made those little piles of dirt. The ghost never materialized, but would often be heard cleaning the floors in various rooms. When the girls would burst into the room to see if they could corner the spirit, the sweeping sound would stop instantly. And things went on like this for quite some time. The girls playing with the spirits, Carolyn hearing and sometimes feeling ghosts in their new home. And if these occurrences wouldn't have been or would have been as bad as things got, the Perrin family could have made peace with it all. But soon some new entities appeared and they were not so friendly. Mm Mm-hmm. Fucking portal. The shift towards an evil energy 
taking over the home began when the parents noticed a smell of rotting flesh occasionally permeating their residence. No one could figure out exactly where the smell was coming from. And then there were the flies. Large, fat, slow-moving houseflies seemed to be suddenly always buzzing around. Were there just more flies further out in the country, they wondered? They didn't remember their previous home ever being so infested. After a few days, Roger picked up a half dozen fly swatters at the hardware store, handed them out to the girls, and told them to kill any flies they saw in sight. He tried to make it a game. And at first, the girls enjoyed it. But then the flies started to really creep all of them out because it seemed like the more they killed, the more they saw. And always big, fat flies, never small ones. How could all of them only appear to be full-grown? Roger and Carolyn finally called an exterminator. And when the exterminator came out to to inspect the house, it was as if all the flies suddenly went into hiding. They were gone. The exterminator literally couldn't find a single fly. He applied an insecticide treatment to the home at the parents' requests. And then a few hours after he left, the flies were back. Of course they were. The insecticide seemed to have no effect on them. And then after a few months, the flies just went away on their own. Disappearing as mysteriously as they'd arrived, they would be told later by demonologist Lorraine Warren that the flies left because they had served their purpose. They were an omen. They were harbingers of much worse things to come. Fuck. Around the time of the flies, a strange, unnatural cold began to engulf the home. Oh God, oh God. It seemed as if it was impossible to ever get the house comfortably warm. No matter how high they turned up the heat, no matter how much firewood they burned, the farmhouse always felt a little cold. A damp kind of cold that settled into your bones. And certain parts of the home would feel much colder than others, and the location of these odd, freezing spots would move around. And then Carolyn started to fall into trances where she would lose giant chunks of time. It started one day when Roger was at work and the girls were at school. Carolyn was in the kitchen when she began to suddenly feel off. She felt scared, too. The air around her felt cold and heavy. She felt nauseous and lightheaded. She leaned over on the counter and rested her head in her hands. Her vision started to fade and she felt like she might pass out. And then abruptly, still resting on the counter, she snapped out of it and felt better. She looked at the clock and thought it must not be working correctly. How could over two hours have passed? But the clock was right. She'd only rested her head in her hands for what felt like a few minutes, but two hours had gone by. Did she pass out? Can you pass out standing up? Where had she gone? Carolyn also began to feel as if she was being watched by something, watched all the time. And then her nine-year-old daughter, Cindy, seemed to literally run into, or I guess run through, one of the spirits in the home. Oh my God. Cindy was rushing out of the house, running down a hallway that had recently began to bother her for some reason. It didn't feel right. She was rushing to catch the bus when a dark, shadowy, human-shaped being suddenly emerged out from the door to the cellar and stood right in front of her. Shut up. She ran directly into its smoky, mist-like form. She felt herself slam into it physically, and then it vanished. It was gone, but she could still smell it, a foul smell like decay, like death. She ran terrified out of the house, caught her bus, glad to be driven away from whatever that was. Carolyn and the girls were now all telling Roger what had been happening, but initially, he thought they were just being hysterical. He hadn't seen or felt anything. Oh, just you wait. But he would. The poltergeist activity continued to escalate as time went on. One day when Carolyn walked into the barn by herself, a small hand scythe suddenly flew through the air and hit her high in the chest towards the base of her neck, where it tore completely through the leather coat she was wearing, also cutting up the shirt underneath. What the fuck? Had she not been wearing it, she would have been badly injured, possibly fatally. Who threw it? Roger was at work. The kids were at school. 
and she hadn't seen or heard anyone in or around the big open barn. There was no sign of anyone coming into or leaving the property. Oh my God. Also making this incident stranger and scarier, Carolyn had seen the small scythe flying across the barn towards her. She had time to react, at least throw her arms up in front of her, but she didn't. She couldn't move. She couldn't move. She felt paralyzed. She just stood there frozen and watched it hit her. Oh my God. Was something trying to warn her? Was something trying to kill her? Uh Uh-huh. Things were getting more intense for the girls as well. Something began to lift the pair and children's beds up off the floor at night as they slept. When it happened, the kids would also feel paralyzed as though they were being held down in their beds by an unseen force. More noises continued to be heard. Chairs slamming into the ground upstairs when no one was there. Whisperings from the attic and from inside the walls of the home. Whisperings from the cellar. Things were moving as well. Family pictures, religious symbols would seem to jump off the walls. Once when a neighbor, Mrs. Pettigrew, came over to visit the girls after after they just got home from school, a hanger seemed to lift itself off a coat closet rod in the parlor room and it hit Karen repeatedly. She fell to the floor and screamed for it to stop. Mrs. Pettigrew was alarmed but didn't seem to think Carolyn was crazy. She'd heard stories about the house long before the parents moved in. Oh, God. Before leaving, she told Carolyn that the previous owners had always left nearly all of the lights in the home on throughout the night. She wished her luck and then she would never visit them again. Yeah, I don't blame her. Shortly after this incident, the girls' spectral playmates started to play a lot more aggressively. They started yanking the girls' legs when they were sleeping in their beds. They pulled their hair. Carolyn kept telling Roger about all of the supernatural occurrences, and at first he reacted with anger. He felt like she just let her imagination run wild, and now she was getting the girls all worked up too. She was upsetting them, recklessly frightening, frightening their children. But then finally, he felt something too. Oh good, finally. He began to feel something in the cellar. When he would head downstairs, he would feel a cold, stinking presence behind him. Roger and the rest of the family began to avoid the dirt-floored cellar whenever possible. It felt wrong down there. But the heating equipment would often fail mysteriously, and someone had to go down the stairs and start it up again. Mm-mm, not me. And that someone would be Roger, and soon he would meet someone or something down in the cellar and claim to have one of the most unusual paranormal occurrences we've talked about here on Scared to Death. Upstairs, the poltergeist activity continued. Doors would slam shut on their own while others would stay frozen in place, unable to be shut, no matter how much force was applied to them. Weird. The girls began to hear voices speaking out of thin air. One apparition tortured eight-year-old Cindy by telling her over and over, there are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. There are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. Oh my God, There are seven Stop dead it. soldiers buried in the wall. Oh my God. Then a terrible monster-like entity presented itself to Carolyn above her bed early one morning. Carolyn woke up with a start to see a very tall woman in an old gray dress with her head hanging off to the side. <sighs> the woman was hovering above Carolyn. She gave a blood-curdling scream and told Carolyn to get out of her house, and then she vanished. Oh, my God. She was hideous. Carolyn described her as having a face similar to a caved-in beehive. <sighs> She was covered in cobwebs. Spiders and maggots and other bugs crawled in and out of crevices, etched in her rotten, wrinkled skin. Please stop. Carolyn obviously was now at her wit's end. She, of course, wanted all to stop, but she also didn't want to leave their new home. She wanted the spirits to leave. This was her family's house, huh. their dream house. Get the fuck out, Carolyn. If they could rid the home of all this activity, it could still be idyllic. Carolyn decided to research the history of the home in hopes of finding out why the house was haunted, hoping this would lead to finding a way to rid the house of these spirits. At the local historical society, she learned about how the estate had once been in the same family for eight generations, as we heard earlier, and that many of them had died under mysterious circumstances and or died violent deaths. Seven of the children had drowned in the nearby creek, 
at least one had been murdered. A few of them had hanged themselves in the attic. Carolyn also learned that every occupant of the old Arnold estate, with the exception of a local minister and his family, had reported supernatural phenomena. She learned that the owner just prior to the parents, the Kenyon family, had hired a contractor to renovate the house. The contractor had been at work one day when he suddenly stopped and fled. He left the home literally screaming, allegedly even leaving behind his tools and his car. Someone else had to come back and retrieve his stuff. He would never say what happened. Oh. And then Carolyn came across the story of Bathsheba Sherman. When she saw a picture of Bathsheba, she immediately got goosebumps. She recognized her. This was the woman, minus the rotting flesh, she had seen floating above her bed. Oh, goddamn. Bathsheba's birth name was Bathsheba Th- uh, Thayer, born in 1812 in Rhode Island, married a man named Judson Sherman in 1844. According to local folklore, Bathsheba had lived a largely, uh, largely a life of solitude. She had been accused of killing her young baby. The baby's body was found with its head impaled upon a sharp needle, and Bathsheba, thought to be a Satanist, was the primary suspect. Jesus. Lacking evidence, the case was eventually dropped, and then uh, Bathsheba was shunned by the surrounding community, who believed she had gotten away with murder. Bathsheba had three other children, none of whom would survive past the age of four. Oh my God. Many locals thought she'd killed them as well. And her children may have not may not have been her only victims. Bathsheba was also known to have brutalized her servants, often starving and beating them for minor infractions, according to local folklore. When Bathsheba died on May 25, 1885, at the age of 73, the coroner allegedly wrote that he had never seen anything like it. Her emaciated body, eerily solidified, seemingly turned to stone. And Bathsheba seemed to want Carolyn to leave her home. She was the mistress of the house, and she was determined to destroy Carolyn. After digging into Bathsheba's history and asking her to leave the home, paranormal activity increased dramatically, and mostly when only Carolyn was home. Fun! Objects flew across rooms, smashing into walls, doors slammed shut, doors slammed into Carolyn, glasses flew off of tables, counters, and uh, off of sh- counters and shattered. And then one night, Carolyn was actually stabbed. What? As she sat in the living room, she suddenly felt a piercing pain in her leg and cried out. Looking down, she said she saw some blood trickling out from a small open wound, a puncture wound. Huh? The kind of wound a large needle would make. <gasps> Maybe the kind of needle that Bathsheba had once used to kill a baby. Oh my God. And then the spirit of Bathsheba allegedly seduced Roger. He started going into the cellar more and more often. He had to fix the furnace that just kept mysteriously breaking. While working, he would later claim to have often felt Bathsheba touching him, gently caressing his neck, running her hands down his back, and he liked it. What? And he'd never tell Carolyn that anything more than caresses had gone on, but she suspected much more had occurred. How is that possible? She was starting to think they would all have to leave the house before it drove them completely mad. Yeah, man, get the fuck out. Her daughter, Cindy, hoping to have her mother saved from Bathsheba's attacks, decided to try and contact the spirits with a Ouija board. Oh, fuck, here we go. As soon as she and a friend turned off the lights, drew the curtains closed, and lit a candle, the girls were attacked, hit by unseen hands, and fled the house. At this point, desperate to make this all go away, Roger and Carolyn decided to try and call in some professionals. The parents invited Ed and Lorraine Warren, paranormal investigators who were not yet famous but lived nearby and were known locally, over to their house. Ed and Lorraine had been investigating paranormal activities since the early 1950s. During their decades-long careers, they would eventually investigate over 4,000 supposed hauntings. Lorraine and her husband Ed decided to conduct a seance to communicate with the spirits of the house. She wanted to figure out, Lorraine, what they wanted. She thought if they could be reasoned with, then maybe the parents could live there unharmed. 
When the Warrens began the seance, the spirit of Bathsheba entered Carolyn Perrin's body and seemed to possess her. Carolyn contorted, rose from the ground in her chair, began speaking in tongues. Her daughters were frozen, unsure of who this person was who had been their mother until a few seconds earlier. Daughter Annie would later say, The night I thought I saw my mother die was the most terrifying night of all. She spoke in a voice we had never heard before, and a power not of this world threw her twenty feet into another room. The Warrens battled the spirits in the parent home that night for hours. There's a lot of conflicting reports as to what happened that night and what happened with the parent family after that night. Some reports say that Roger tossed the Warrens out halfway through the seance because they'd only made things worse. Other reports say that the Warrens convinced Bathsheba to leave the parents that night, that the seance worked. All the reports agree that the parents continued to live in the house after the seance for many years because they couldn't afford to move. Fuck. In 1980, after a decade of horrors, they finally sold the farmhouse, fled to Georgia, bidding goodbye to Bathsheba and the other spirits. A new family moved in, and new horrors were witnessed. The property was bought by Norma Sutcliffe. Living in the big home alone... Oh my god, why? Norma claims to have witnessed blue orbs pass through the house and a strange mist often rising through the floorboards. Furniture and ornaments would often move, doors would bang closed in the middle of the night. Then just months ago, in the summer of 2019... Oh my god! The house was bought by a young couple, the Heinzens, who also claimed to have witnessed paranormal activity. Why would you move into this house? Don't you have the internet? According to Corey Heinzen and his wife, Jennifer, they've experienced doors opening on their own, footsteps, and even heard disembodied voices. I don't have the feeling of anything evil, but it's very busy, Corey recently said in an interview. You can tell there's a lot of things going on in this house. Let's hope for Corey and his wife, Jennifer, that the spirits continue to play nice. Uh Uh-uh, not gonna happen. Let's hope that the angrier spirits that tortured the parent girls are not lying in wait. Let's hope they're not just playing nice at first like they once did with the parents. Will Bathsheba lure lure Corey to the basement as well? Oh, fuck yeah. What a fucking... Who buys that house in 2019? I am furious. Paranormal curious. Maybe 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 Corey's a Darren. Maybe Corey's a Darren. Maybe he's a big old Darren. Or Mm -hmm. maybe they're like, all right, we're going to get insta-famous. Watch this. Yeah. Because who who has seen The Conjuring? Mm -hmm. Who has fucking internet... Maybe he has a hankering for some ghost puss. Come on. Maybe. It's going to be hard to find. Yeah, never mind. Let's check out some pictures. Uh, this. Guess who's not getting any puss tonight? <laughs> this is the first picture. This is the uh, parent family home. So that's, that oh. doesn't look too scary right that's, from the outside. That's not what I expected. That's not what I was envisioning in my head at all. Right. I'm sure it's been modified over the years. I wonder what the original construction looked like. Uh, this next picture is the parent family. Uh, oh, come on. They're so cute. Yep. There's another picture of uh, the parent family. This next one. Yeah, see? Yeah, it's a cute little family. There's all the girls. And uh, there's a mom on the side. The one looks a little dead in the eyes. It could just be like right, old just photos. A, yeah, old photo. <laughs> she looks like a black-eyed child, I honestly. Know, I know. I know. A little creepy. And then uh, one more photo here. Uh, this is the parent family. Um, just uh, a di- Oh, wait. That's the monster from The Conjuring. That's the Bathsheba. I, I knew something was coming. I know. I didn't, I didn't set it up well. No, you didn't. Dang it. Too many family photos. Too many family. Ah, I should have done one less. Uh-huh. should have done one less. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. Lesson learned. One too many. What? You went too I got, far. I got, I, got, I got you earlier. I got you yeah. earlier. Oh, did you ever? Your pictures earlier. Yeah. Babe, we got so much to talk about here. There's okay. so much juicy meat in this story. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren for a second. Sure. Since you did a time suck on them, yeah. we can kind of talk about their credibility as 
ghost hunters. Yeah, and, and there's mixed. I mean, if you want to dig into this stuff, especially somebody who's covered as many things as the Ed, Ed and Lorraine, Lorraine did before they died, of course. Oh, are they both deceased? Yeah, Lorraine okay. died uh, fairly recently, and Ed had died quite a few years ago. Okay. They both lived into old age. Okay. And uh, and yes, they definitely have a fair amount of detractors on the web who say that they're charlatans, that they're just con artists, that they just made all this shit up mm-hmm, to sell mm-hmm. some books and to sell, sell you know, excuse me, the books that went on to become very successful movies. Very successful. Rose Byrne, man, she fucking rocked those movies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yes, there, there's that side. And then there's, you know, in, in any one of their stories, there's also family members who have stuck to the stories over the years and say, no. This actually did happen. Uh, there are people who say that, like, you know, uh, that the movies exaggerated certain elements or sure. elements that weren't there. But, in fact, equally scary things, you know, did happen in there. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who have stuck to these claims, you know, the entire time. Yeah. And, and then there's people that the Warrens worked with on some books to help them write it that said, like, you know, there's one famous thing that if you dig into it at all, you'll see where supposedly Ed Warren told this one author – um, just like, hey, uh, you know, just just make up whatever details you want. These people are all crazy. That's that's a quote that gets tossed around all the time. Okay, but it's a quote given from one person well, who could have been a disgruntled. Maybe they didn't get the money they wanted when the movies came out. Maybe they didn't get the sure. money they wanted in the book. There's a variety of things that could happen. Well, also, I think that just on on that note, yeah, if you're Ed and Lorraine Warren, you probably are meeting a lot of crazy people. Right. And you probably well, yeah. and, and that could have just been in reference to like one family that like maybe really right. wanted something to be true or just one family that was like whatever aggressive and, like, yeah. and just like truly crazy. And like we say on this, you know, show, it's like if every single story but one of the four thousand is bullshit. Right. Still terrifying. Still terrifying. And if that one story, you know, if elements of that one story were made up, but not all of the elements were made up, yeah, terrifying. So now, where where are the parents now? Uh, you know what? They're. Um, Do you I, know? No, I, I mean, I did look into that when I was looking at the story, and I, I, I think some of them have died since but i'm not sure uh they're they're not there's not like an active uh amount of you know information or a lot of information on the web about what they've been doing lately so they're not out there like promoting this story or trying no, to make a movie, buck off of it when the movie came out you know like obviously people were digging into it and contacting them uh I'm sure. and then there was you know of course there's going to be people that knew them and said like i don't believe it other mm-hmm. people said that they did believe it but uh no they don't seem to be um i think the one daughter Annie, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Sorry, I, as you know, with the multiple podcasts, I'm looking at so many stories all the time. Sure. I think if I'm not confusing her with another uh, daughter from another <laughs> family haunting, uh, I think she might be doing a little bit, like doing interviews and things, but I, but no but one's like getting real, rich. No right, one, no, no real one's casual. Oh yeah, real casual. And actually, like yeah, there's there like there's not there's not some book out there that I could find and doing a fair amount of digging that was written by anyone in that family where it's like thousand ratings on Amazon, you know, right. No, none of that. None of them have made any money off this. Yeah. To my knowledge. Dang. Um, okay. So what if Yeah. you were at home mm-hmm. sweeping up the floor Yeah. and you turned around and there was just a pile know, of That dirt. alone would be so creepy. The first time I would write it off as just like I'm, I wasn't paying attention. But if it happened over and over, then it would start to definitely unnerve me. Like, what the fuck? What about the needle in the leg? The, oh, the flying that. scythe? Well, those are ter- those are like yeah, over the top scary. And the voices, the kids playing, mm-hmm, the pinching. Mm-hmm. I've become real paranoid in our house. Where I'm like, what was that? Did I just hear <laughs> people talking? Well, because last night when last you were night. 
What was that song that you were playing last night? I don't night? even remember. It was, it was just some 70s playlist song. Whatever it was, Dan was playing some song last night, and it... The, if you can imagine a song sounding like the song is all here, but then there were sounds like outside of the song, like I, I don't know how music is like, composed. Like they do it a fair amount in some of those older songs, especially if it's a little bit like, like a um, B track or something. No, they get that like cool, like you know, raw cut vibe where it's like the studio, like hey guys, let's get this going, you know, and like as the music's going, ah, oh, that sounds. But it good, was man, all you know? through the song. It wasn't just like an no, intro. I didn't, I didn't hear that. Well, I heard it all throughout the song, and I was like, can you? It almost sounded like a Tina Turner song. I don't know. The whole thing was so weird, and I was. The way our house is set up, I was sitting at like our breakfast bar. You're probably telling Ike, telling Tina to focus. Okay. I was sitting at the breakfast bar doing my work and Dan was sitting like across the room in his little chair doing his thing. And it sounded like the voices were just outside the house, like just outside the kitchen window. So much so that I was like, can you pause the song? Like I need to make sure that it is in fact the song. And then the song would stop and the talking would stop. And then he would turn the song back on and the talking would start. And then I was like, fucking skip it. Next song, I cannot handle it. But then this morning you left the house earlier than I did. And I was like, what was that? Did I just, maybe, maybe there are voices. Well, and you were spooked out, I think, partially because you said this. You said the story that you were going to read today. Because while while all that was going on, you were going over that story. The like story you were getting is getting that one ready for today. Intense. And you did say that it was really freaking you out. So I'm sure that really, I'm sure that added to everything. It really freaked me out. But yeah, I mean, I just that the whole parent family situation yeah. here. Just so many people in one family who are like, I mean, I love this setup. Like all skeptical-ish kind of people, smart mm-hmm. people, tough people, whatever, like... Right. Religious, but but not, like, you know, over-the-top, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably just, like, go to church on Sunday, mm-hmm. moral compass kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck, man. That was a lot of different things that happened in that story. Right. A lot of it. And it, all of it's scary. And yet the first story is actually stuck with me more than that story. I know, because there is some part of me that's like, eh, they made it into a movie. How real could it be? Mm-hmm. Maybe elements were true. Uh, you know, how many times have you seen like a movie and it says like, uh, based on a true yeah, story? Yeah, they're all that. They're all that. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in the horror genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think all horror movies are based on true stories. No, 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 no. Sorry. All of the horror movies that have elements of a true story, it's always based on. And yes, and I always assume like, well, how much? Yeah. Right, right. It's so funny because uh, when you're telling that story, just like having lived in LA and worked in production for so many years, sometimes stories will come up and then they connect me back to like, oh yeah, what was I doing? So Mm -hmm. I had to work really hard when I was working on the first season of Supergirl, it was us and then another movie that my girlfriend was working on and then the next door down was Conjuring 2. No way. And so I constantly, I didn't really know the costume designer that well, but I wanted to go to set so yeah. bad because I'm so fascinated about how they film a horror movie. Right. Like, is everyone freaked out? Right. And, but you're shooting in the middle of the day on a soundstage in a, in a set that's been built to meet the script that was written that's maybe based on this one byline of truth. Like, Sure, sure. I don't know. That's cool, though. I just remember a lot of sweaters for some reason. <laughs> um, okay. Ready to scare me? Oh, am I ever. Do let's, you have your squishy let's, let's squishy? Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, so for sure in this story, I mean, I don't know if you'll be screaming a lot of GTFOs, but I was like, <laughs> our, our fan, her name, this story comes from a person named Stacy. I was just like, Stacy, get the fuck out. Stacy, what are you doing? Like, I was getting so fucking mad at Stacy. And Stacy knows that I'm going to be mad at her because she acknowledges it, it in the story. Stacy Darren? Stacy is not a Darren. 
I don't think. I'll let you okay. decide. Okay. I, I don't think she's an. She's a little bit of an Annie. Oh, okay, tough. Yeah, maybe there's a little bit of both. Okay. Where I'm like, all right, enough of that. Okay. Uh, I, I will say this. If this story is not true, if she made up this whole thing. She has a career as a horror author? Not only that, she's come up with the most genius way to get out of doing laundry ever again in her <laughs> life. Okay. So okay. maybe she's a genius or maybe this is true. I okay. don't know. Okay. All right. Hello. My name is Stacy, and I'm new to Scared to Death, but I love it so far. Despite the terror that happened in my home, I am an avid creep. I often look for creepy stories and otherworldly enchanters online. And so far, it's really awesome how many scary stories and experiences you guys have been able to find that I've never even heard. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully this isn't mean, but if I, but if even some of the stories in the show that people have experienced are true, especially from my story, uh, those things that are happening to everyday people, it makes me feel better that I'm not the only person that bizarre shit has happened to. So I love mm -hmm. that like mm -hmm. layout, you know? Yeah. Sorry for the slow start. This is going to be long. Let's get to the weird stuff. <laughs> My husband and I moved into our current home almost a year ago. It's our first house together, and I really wanted to love this place. I had hoped that it could be a home for us to build our life together. I'm not sure if it can be that kind of home, though. The house is old, built maybe in the 40s or 50s, so obviously nothing weird about it. In the beginning, it felt right, welcoming even. But later, shit got weird. It got really weird. It's a two-story house, three bedrooms, and a half-finished basement. There are two bedrooms on the first floor, one on the upstairs. The basement is broken up into three small separate rooms with no windows. At the bottom of the basement stairs, there is a dead end, just two steps from the bottom of the stairs. Then one door to the left and the laundry room door on the right. The entire house is a little crooked, so the doors aren't totally parallel to one another. At the bottom and the bottom step is a little bit shorter than the rest, and it's easy to trip on the last step. So sort of like in our house, yep, yep. the house is settling and the stairs are a little off. So okay. it's an important detail. Okay, okay. For the first month or so we lived here, everything was pretty normal, except that my husband started talking a lot in his sleep and sleepwalking. Our bedroom is on the second floor. He slept walked so badly that we had to push the bed into a corner and against the wall so I could sleep on the outer edge to make sure he didn't sleepwalk right out of bed in the night. We have been together for three years before this house, and to my knowledge, he had never done anything more in his sleep than snore and maybe a bit of mumbling. Mm-hmm. Nothing like what he started doing after we moved. At first, I thought it was brought on by stress, and we didn't talk about it other than deciding to move the bed because I was afraid he would want to leave the house or fall down the stairs sleepwalking. At first, he wasn't worried, he wasn't as worried as me about his new sleep troubles. He just felt bad that he kept waking me up and keeping me up, worried about his sleepwalking. Until the night, he attacked me in his sleep. Whoa. I have no idea what time it was, but it was still nighttime and the room was dark. I woke up because the whole bed was shaking like mad. I shot up in bed and realized the bed was shaking because my husband had somehow gotten out of bed without waking me up and had managed to drag our queen-size bed away from the wall and halfway across the room before I even <laughs> woke up. He was standing next to me with his hands curled under the bed, dragging it through the room with me on it like it weighed nothing. My husband is not a big guy. He's actually pretty skinny and only 5'8". I've never seen him do something so physical with very little effort. 
Weird. For a second, I was just completely frozen in shock. And then I noticed, and then he noticed that I was awake. And he just stopped moving and looked at me. The longer we stared at each other, oh my God. the more a creeping sense of horror crawled over me. His eyes looked dead. I got the feeling that he wasn't even in there. I've never felt so alone in my entire life. My husband is the most loving, gentle person I have ever known. He's my best friend. I, it's just like he wasn't there and it was with, it's like he wasn't there with me at all. I broke eye contact with him and he growled at me. Oh my God. Cold chills ran over my whole body and I jerked up my head as fast as I could. He lunged at my face, snapping his teeth at me like an animal, growling. I jerked back and screamed and all the terrifying weirdness just vanished with my scream. It's like it evaporated right out of the room in that instant. He was him again, and he was so confused, and I was fucking scared. I told him I would explain what I could to him, but not until we were out of that house. So we went to a nearby Waffle House, both of us still in our pajamas. (laughs) I told him what happened, and seeing him crying in a Waffle House at 4 a.m. is a painful memory I'll never get out of my head. He was so upset that he had tried to hurt me, and for the next week, he would not sleep in the same room with me. Wow. Nothing else weird happened for a long time, about a month or so. We had begun sleeping in our room together again for about three weeks without anything happening other than his continued sleep talking and the strangely horrific way he would randomly burst into high-pitched giggling in his sleep. Let me tell you, there is nothing that will wake you up quite like the sound of a grown man giggling in a high-pitched tone like a child inches from your ear. This just gave me the chills. That's such a weird detail. The next part is easily the worst night of my life. I woke up and it felt like something was shaking me, like someone had me by the shoulders and was shaking me awake. I jerked upright in bed and the first thing that I noticed was that I was alone. My husband wasn't in bed and there was no one else in the room either. A chill came over me and I considered just lying back down. The last time I tried to interact with my sleepwalking husband, it didn't go so well. I sat in bed for a long while in the dark, just listening. The house was completely silent. And the silence felt so wrong. It felt heavy and unnatural. Our house is in a crowded neighborhood near a park and on a busy road. It's never, ever totally quiet in our neighborhood. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was horribly wrong. What if my husband had fallen down the stairs and was hurt? What if he left the house and had gotten hit by a car? I went to look for him. I turned on every light I passed and had my phone with me. 911 queued up and ready to go, just in case. He wasn't in the other bedrooms. He wasn't in the bathroom. All located in the hall right at the bottom of the stairs that led to our room, he was nowhere to be found. He wasn't in the living room at the end of the hall. He wasn't at the back door, which was still locked. The last rooms are the kitchen and the basement. I flipped the kitchen light on and he's not there. The front door is locked. Both doors leading to the outside have a chain lock and both are locked from the inside. But the basement door is open. I almost started crying. I thought, of course he's in the fucking basement. (laughs) The basement lights are bulbs on pull chains. There's no way to turn them on. Sorry, there's no way to turn on the light from the kitchen. I had to go down there in the dark and use my cell phone flashlight, but I couldn't see. It was like there was an, an unnatural darkness in the stairway. The kitchen light and my phone didn't even put a dent in the darkness. I couldn't see anything past that fourth step. I called his name, and for a second, nothing, except the same heavy silence that had settled over the house since I had woken up. Shut the door, get him in the morning. But then, 
I heard the giggling. Oh my god. Cold chills hit me so hard that my skin began to ache. It was the same terror-inducing high-pitched giggles that he had been waking me up with in a panic for weeks. My husband was down there, and he was definitely still sleeping. I called to him again, and this time there was again no response. Cell phone, light still up, even if it didn't help, I headed down the stairs. I was wearing socks on the wooden stairs, and I was shaky and scared. I slipped. I only stumbled down a few steps before I managed to catch myself by bracing an arm on the wall, but I had dropped my phone. It fell down the stairs and landed flashlight down, complete darkness. I glanced behind me. The door at the top of the stairs was still open, but it was like the light just couldn't reach me. There was a wall of darkness between me and the light. I was already more than halfway down the steps. It would be faster to pull the light chain at the bottom than to go back up. Also, I got the distinct feeling I should absolutely not turn my back on the darkness longer than a second because of what was longer than a second it would take me because the door was still open. So like a dumbass, I kept going. It was so dark I couldn't tell how far down the stairs I had gone. It felt like I'd been walking for at least 10 minutes, which I knew was impossible. This only takes a few seconds. I felt disoriented and didn't realize I was about to get to the tricky bottom step. I overstepped and stumbled off the stairs. I'm a clumsy person and I've done this once or more on completely ordinary days. Our laundry machines are in the room to the right, so out of habit I flung my arms forward to catch myself on the wall. I fell against something, <sighs> but it wasn't a wall. It felt like a man's chest. I immediately pulled my hands back to myself. The chest or whatever it was I had bumped into was vibrating. Not like a heartbeat, though. I thought at first it was growling. And then I realized it was giggling. Quite at first, quiet at first and almost silent. But the longer I didn't look up from the floor, the louder the giggles got. Until it was so loud I felt like I could feel it. It felt like I was standing too close to the speakers at a concert. Then the sound just stopped. Just completely stopped like it had never happened. At first, I was totally frozen in fear. I couldn't move, not run, not scream. I couldn't even breathe. I knew that whatever I was standing in the basement with was not my husband. It felt wrong. It felt so wrong, I can't even explain it. It didn't belong in my house. It just plain didn't fucking belong. I felt sick, but I would have to look at it. I had this feeling that it wanted me to, and that if I didn't, it would get me. And like when my husband almost bit me. Teeth in the dark. That's all I could see, just big white teeth, inches from my face. They were smiling, and it was all wrong. The smile was too big, too wide. The teeth were long and square, longer than they should have been, and far too white. This thing was not my husband, and I am sure it was not human. I have a feeling that it's never even been human. I wanted to scream, but I couldn't even fucking breathe. What they say about fight or flight must be true because I tried to fly. I flung my right hand out, trying to find the laundry room door. The teeth are so close to the left side, it's too much to risk. I couldn't find the doorknob. I was in a total blind panic. I felt like something in me had stabbed, snapped. I couldn't fly, so I had to fight. I looked at the teeth in the dark that were still smiling, like my terror was a joke. I was still terrified, but suddenly, I was pissed off. This thing was in my house scaring me and my family. I screamed at it. I screamed at it with everything I have. I didn't know what I didn't know for sure what would happen, but I felt like if I turned my back and tried to run up the stairs, that that thing would be the last thing I did. So I punched it. <laughs> I know. I'm an idiot. 
I swung at where its chest would be as a person. I didn't hit anything. My first swing just swung through air and then poof, everything felt regular again. No more smiling teeth, no more wall of darkness, just me standing at the bottom of the basement steps. I could see normally again. The light from the kitchen lit up the whole stairway. I didn't even look for my phone. I just fucking ran. I ran out of the basement as fast as I could, more than I have ever run in my life. I slammed the door shut, pushed our kitchen table in front of it, and then I ran for the bathroom. I was about to vomit. I closed, the, I closed and locked the door behind me, and I didn't notice the sound until after I was done being sick. What? Snoring. I didn't notice it in my panicked state in the search of the house, but the shower curtain was messed up. It was hanging completely outside of the tub as opposed to inside of the tub. (laughs) It took everything I had to peek behind that curtain, but I did. My husband was sleeping in the bathtub. He had slept, walked into the bathroom and curled up in the bathtub behind the shower curtain. I felt like I was going to throw up again. He was never in the basement at all. I started crying, not adult crying. I cried like a fucking baby, snot wailing the works. Obviously, that woke up my husband. He didn't even ask me what was wrong. He just hugged me, got our shoes, and led me out to the car. It was almost morning. We drove to my brother's house, and I didn't want to explain everything right then, so I told him that I just thought our house had been broken into, and we needed a place to sleep because I was too scared to sleep at home. I explained everything to my brother and husband after I'd had a few hours of restless sleep under my belt. My brother just poked fun and teased me, but my husband was miserable about the whole thing. He felt like it was his fault it happened since I was looking for him. He's felt how off our house can be, and he believes me even if my brother doesn't. I'm so sorry this was so long. I'm not even sure if you made it this far. We didn't go home for three days after the incident. We left my brothers and stayed at a hotel. It happened on a Thursday night. I called into work when we got to my brothers. And by Monday, we went home and everything has been normal since. No walls of darkness, no sleepwalking, not even any giggling. My husband still sleep talks, but is mostly mumbling and seems pretty ordinary again. I don't know what happened. When I think back on it, it feels like temporary insanity that night. It's been around four months and nothing strange has happened since. Someday when we can, I think we'd like to move even if nothing ever happens again. On, yeah. the, on the bright side, I never have to help with laundry again. I am never, ever going into that basement again. My husband is just as sweet and gentle as always and is more than willing to give me that if I agree to keep on living in the house, unless something else happens and then we're getting the fuck out. Love Scared to Death. It's wonderful, and it makes me feel like maybe I'm not insane. Thanks to you and everyone on the Scared to Death team for all the work they do, putting the show together and making it amazing. Stacy. Eek, Stacy! My God. Guess he's yeah. scared of the basement now. I'll have to get a door to go into the basement. And if you, and if you, what? that we can lock, that we can shut. Like you can't, you know, at the top of the stairs. Oh, cause you think like what, like ghosts can't permeate doors? I don't know. That's fucking illogical. I was just thinking that if something like this happens and you know, you go into the basement at night, we're, I'm going to, you're going to lock me I'm in. I'm going to lock the door and we're going to deal with it in the morning. Feels fair. Feels fair. Are you going to start doing laundry? Oh God, I hope not. Cool. So it's still on me. <laughs> Nothing's happened to you there. That'd be pretty convenient if all of a sudden <laughs> you had a ghost experience in the laundry room. <laughs> oh my God. How uh, terrifying is that? So terrifying. When I got to the part where she found her husband in the bathtub, i that's when I lost my shit. I was like, mother fucker. He wasn't in that basement ever. So what the that fuck giggling, that chest. Uh, what did she fucking touch? And those teeth. You know what it made me think of? American Horror Story? 
you know uh, yeah. the, episode, the the season with the with the clown with the oh yeah 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 well didn't we do a grinning man uh tale here on scared to death i dan i try so hard to block these out of my head after they uh, happen i lose track i know at the very least uh i think we I did think we did i think we did because there that, that he's is a like thing Catman, right mm-hmm. he's in that shadow person realm and there is an entity that some people refer to as the grinning man. I think so. It's all coming back to me and mm-hmm. I don't like it. Very dark and stuff. But like one of the features is just that, yes, that unnatural smile. We did. I remember the pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does it look like this? Yeah. Oh my God. That is creepy. After is that story. Let me see my face. Ah, yike. Yep. Okay. I'm going to wake right. you up like that. Oh God. Oh God. Tap, 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 Dan. <laughs> good man. Ooh, how that was crazy a good one. is that? That was a good one. And Stacey doesn't sound crazy. She sounds mm. like like she doesn't understand how or right. what happened. That is always the thing. I feel like I say this every week. But man, these fan stories. Because yeah. it's like they don't feel choreographed. They right. don't feel made up. Whatever adjective you want to fucking use. It's like, my God, you guys. Stacey, I don't even know how you're staying in that house right now. Yeah, I don't either. I, mean, I don't either. After after that, I, w- I would be dedicating my life to figuring out how do we get out of this house? I mean, I get like to not wanting to like leave the very next day where it's like, but it's like, I would be, okay, how do we sell this? How do we get out? How do we find a different place to live? How can we afford that? That would be the sole focus of my life. How many jobs would you be willing to work to have enough money to not live there? As many as, as it, I could work without dying from just uh, collapsing in one of the jobs. Okay, perfect. Because that's what I was thinking too. Mm-hmm. Just working all the time. So if our house is haunted, should we get jobs at Starbucks or something? Just extra jobs? Yeah. We're just, yeah, we're out. Yeah. We're out. Yeah, we're out. out. If something like that happens, and if something like that, if if there was a night where you started freaking out and then you're growling at me from like the foot of the bed and then you try and bite me, you're sleeping in the, another room for a long time. You don't get to sleep in, you don't get to sleep in our room anymore. I cannot wait to mount a GoPro above your head <laughs> on the wall. And get some scary fucking costume, and wake you up. How pissed would you be? I would be. I would be pretty angry. I would, I would say the humor in it later. What if that set off an, es- an escalating series of pranks, though? Because then I was thinking I was going to take it even further. And then what if I hired like five dudes just to like like I'm not even in the bed, and then you wake up and there's just five random dudes in like cloaks and stuff. Oh my god! Just around you chanting and stuff, and then they grab you and like drag you out of the room. I think about. <laughs> I would be crying. You wouldn't make it. You wouldn't be able to watch it happen. No, because you'd be you'd freak out too bad. I'd be sobbing. <laughs> right, right. I think about how bad I feel like when I just have an accident in the house or right. I accidentally hurt you. Like last night, uh, we were messing around with the dogs, and they have. Oh, these, that was a one in a million shot. I know, what Dan. Are the with fucking odds. <laughs> I know. Can we get, can I give a little backstory on why? Okay, sure. No, actually, actually, you know what? No, no, first, first, you do this part. I want to explain my medical situation. Oh, okay. You can talk about your medical situation in a second. Dan was sitting. He has this chair that he loves. It's his chair, and I was like across the room and the dogs have these little like tennis squeaky little mm-hmm. squeaker tennis balls that they love so much and I threw it and like intentionally like had it bounce because Ginger cannot catch a ball on the fly it's fucking hilarious to watch her kind of go Ugh. she flails Ugh. on the oh, slick floor amazing I love it so it bounced once and then it bounced again and on the second bounce when it went up it went in between Dan's legs who was sitting in the chair with his legs just like you know knee uh, like hip distance yeah. apart and a laptop with the laptop in his lap, and the ball goes underneath the laptop between his legs and pegs him in the nuts. It was, I, it was like in Star Wars, <laughs> where Skywalker amazing. had to make that one in a fucking billion shot to, to destroy the Death Star. Yeah. Like, we had to, like, perfectly get it in there and all this fucking Jedi focus. It, it couldn't be recreated in a thousand times. And I, and I have, I, I gotta get an ultrasound. I have a, uh, 
I had a bad monkey bar accident. It sounds so random and silly as a kid, but I smashed one of my balls. It's caused problems like for years, ever since. Like very painful problems. Very painful. Sometimes, I don't know, it just gets hit and it just hurts so bad for a long time. So I'm, I'm kind of dealing with that. It, it had been swole a little bit lately and super tender. So it's already extra sensitive. Balls not, you know, uh, or balls already known to be pretty sensitive. Right. Extra sensitive. And it was just so crazy that I, I barely had my legs... <laughs> Just opened up. Was there so was great. a laptop right on top. She was trying to like, there was obstacles between Lindsay and me. Yeah. It had to like do like two perfect bounces and then just the angle was almost impossible and then perfect ball shot. Mm -hmm. And then I immediately like, I always feel like a little like weak in the knees. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that mm -hmm. I want to cry because I feel so bad that I yeah. hurt you. So like. We wouldn't be able to pull off these pranks. No. I love them theoretically, but they're too... Fun to think about. It, it's not it, It's not that I couldn't pull off the prank. It's that your reaction and how angry you would be, I'd immediately would be like, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then I would start crying, and then you would be consoling me, and then you'd be annoyed that you're consoling me for oh, the prank geez. that I played on you. Oh, God. Right? You can see the, the downward guess, spiral. Yeah, I can. Right? I can. Also, though, there really was a one in a million shot. Like, what if the ghost in our house... Hates my ball? ...is pissed at you and redirected that ball into your uh, balls. Sneaky ass ball hitting ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if every week now we're like, how Dan got tapped in the balls by the ghost. Oh, I kind of have a Bathsheba type ghost who's, you know, has a nice touch. Yeah. Instead I got old, old ball ball smacker McGee maybe, hot, lurking in the shadows. Well, maybe Bathsheba likes a little a little tap tap. Yeah. Testing the, testing the waters. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> maybe maybe you're going to get a Bathsheba, Bathsheba blowjob this week. Oh, hey. Oh, man. Good for you. Oh, geez. High five. High five. High fives. You get it, Dan. <laughs> Save me the work. <laughs> oh, my God. Such a chore. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Kidding. JK, I love you. JK. OMG. JK. Too much. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> now, do you want to talk at all about your little project, secret project, or you don't want to wait? It's not a secret project. Okay. So... We'll, we'll be doing like some social media post about this here soon, but when we started this podcast, mm -hmm. I had zero interest in crystals and Reiki and just, I'm not anti-religion. I'm not anti-spirituality. Uh, I just, it's just not my thing, right? right? I was born and raised Catholic, like very Catholic, church every Sunday for 18 years, all the things, mm -hmm. right? And then I just have found a different way in life that suits me better. But this show, being open to the idea that these demons, these spirits can be real has yeah. made me really reevaluate the other side, right? Like, okay. okay, for every negative, hopefully there's a positive, right? Right. And so I have found comfort and peace in my crystals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that is the appropriate reaction from Dan. Mm-hmm. I know, and I know it's ridiculous because I'm open to the the spirit stuff, but I'm less open to, to crystals. I know. But do you ever think, like, aren't there, like, chips of metals and things in computers? You ever think about that? <laughs> what? Yeah, there's there's things that conduct electricity and... Right, so, yeah. so, so if they conduct an energy... Right. Why can't a crystal conduct an energy? Oh, no, don't open that door for me. I'm just saying. I see. I see the logic. Right? So it's like... You know, we say we we also like in life, like you and I are, you know, pretty into like our mantras, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just thinking positive thoughts and, you know, karmic energy and all of that, right? What goes around comes around. I don't necessarily, I'm, I'm different than you on the karma. I, I believe in the positive thoughts. I don't believe in karma, but yeah. I mean, well, then don't, don't ever use karma. Don't ever say like, the fucking hope karma gets him. Like, no, I mean. I, I actually it, don't. It's yeah. just, well, 
No, I don't believe it. Uh, there's been too many bad people who have gotten away with stuff for too long for me to believe in karma. I mean, yeah, but the overall thought. But I guess, yeah, the, I, the I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, premise, I, like, I, I not like so specific, like, well, he killed somebody, so now somebody's going to kill him. Karma right. doesn't work that way, right? Okay. It's an overall encompassing thought. It's a it's a way of living. Like, right. do unto others as, as you'd have done unto you, right? Like, live a good life and all those things. It's topaz. I think topaz deals with karma. No, that's not correct. Amethyst. Amethyst? Amethyst. Rubies, garnets. Oh my God. You're so <laughs> fucking dumb. Uh, but so anyway, so in all of that, like I've gotten very into crystals, yeah. right? And uh, one of the guys on staff, Zach, mm-hmm. his wife, Monique, is also very into this. Yeah. Um, and it's sweet too, because when she found out that I had done Reiki, she was like, no way, you did that? Like she already read me as a skeptic and had already kind of figured that that wouldn't be my jam and was surprised Uh to hear that I was open to that. And we've had a few brief conversations about it. Um, She brought me a mink. Mm -hmm. He's up here and you can't see him. Yeah. Hold on. Come here, buddy. This is my new friend. Yeah, a little little dead mink. Yeah. And uh, she brought me a talisman, a turkey leg talisman for the house for safety and protection. And she's brought me some crystals and some cleansing sprays and has taught me about smudging the house and keeping our space clear. And while I... I have one question. When you guys hang out, who um, uh, stirs the cauldron? Like, I know you both wear witches hats, but who stirs the potions? Does that matter? (laughs) Come on. JK. Come on. So anyways. Okay. We decided that it would be interesting to explore all of that a little bit more because I would imagine that in our fan base, there are people who are into it and not into it. Some believers, some non-believers. I definitely find that it's more women who are open to this, but I have definitely had plenty of men email saying that you're a fucking idiot. And I am? Yeah. Okay. And like that you should stop being so negative towards it. And, you know, uh, there, there's both sides. Now, there are people that are like, I'm absolutely team Dan on this. It's bullshit. Other people, Team Lindsay. So what we decided to do is get Monique in here and have her explain more in depth kind of like why you would use certain crystals or what certain things are for or some belief systems. Um, I hope that I'm portraying this correctly. I believe that it's her grandmother is a shaman. I mean, she just has like a deep history with it. Mm -hmm. Um, She's not just willy-nilly. Right. You know, it's it's her own experiences. Um, Monique is the one who found Millie, our resident ghost in the studio. And she found, felt yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we, it's not like Monique and I are like getting together every Friday like, ooh, right. what'd you feel this week? We've had very few limited conversations. I just yeah, thought yeah. it would be a cool- It is interesting. It is yeah. interesting. And, it, and, and it's not like Monique is trying to like, you know, it's not like she's doing, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, the- Cleo, the old uh, psychic Cleo. Oh my God. 1-800-call-Cleo yeah, or whatever right, it was. Right, yeah. right. It's not like she's, you know- um, No, she's t- not telling offering you she, any yeah, services. Yeah, exactly. No. It's, it's not like she's uh, saying that all these things can like fix your whole life. No. But she's very, uh, yeah, she's very smart mm-hmm. and she's very interested in this world. And it, it, it is cool to learn more about it. I joke about it. But yeah, but I also, I, I understand that it's cool what you guys are doing. It doesn't have to be my thing. It doesn't have to be my thing. You know, it can it, be, it, it, yeah, there's room for other things. It feels so, it feels like it's so hard for you to say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan was saying earlier that he loves that he himself is a skeptic and that Monique's husband is also a skeptic. Super skeptic, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
Zach, mean, is, Zach is very skeptical. Zach is our maybe head, more so than me. Right, he's our head researcher. Like mm-hmm. he he is buried in facts. That right, is he, his what he does. That's yep, what he loves. Yep, that's what he loves. Time suck doing the research. You know, a lot of the research there is because you know it's like we had that same skeptical approach on that show. Mm-hmm. But also Zach, you know, before today's recording was telling me about two different experiences where he's like, "Fuck, mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain what happened." Right, they were witnessed by other people, and it bothers him. It, it made his hair stand up. Mm-hmm. So he is similar to me that way, where it's like you know we we joke about this stuff, we tease about it but also we're like fuck there's some weird shit that's happened it's hard to rationalize yeah which you know so we're both also open to you know aspects we 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 just are you know i I think my fear comes in where i don't want to like okay so this thing might be true so then all of a sudden i'm just gonna like open my brain to like anything anyone tells me they can't be proven i'm just gonna believe all of it right so i like i have like a lot of resistance to like little baby steps for me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well that's okay. Yeah. But so anyway, so the whole point of that is, I feel like we got totally off track, is that uh, our social media person, Harmony, will be working on these videos with Monique, mm-hmm. and they recorded a bunch of them last week, and we're just in the editing phase, and once we kind of get them uh, social media friendly, they we will start putting them out weekly, and um, we'll just kind of see where it goes. So if you guys have some things that you would like Monique to maybe go over, you have some questions that maybe she could answer in her videos, please um, send those to info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. That's how you reach me directly. And just in the subject line, you know, just make it really clear, like uh, you could say, you know, social media question or uh, question for Monique. Actually, that would be great. Question for Monique. And I'm just saying this on the fly. I'm just realizing I didn't think that out thoroughly. So questions for Monique. At you can email that to info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com and hopefully that'll be just like a nice little series that will live online that will yeah, help um, demystify all of it and, and cool. you'll see Monique is not a crazy person so maybe it will help people who are skeptics like Dan kind of say like okay I don't need to shit on it I don't need to make fun of it I hear what they're saying I don't have to believe it right right okay that's fair that's fair that's fair so you take your take your shitty pants somewhere <sighs> else Okay. Go, go hook up with Bathsheba. Take my poo pants and I'll put them in the wash. <laughs> this is my life. This is my life. Put my poo pants in the wash and be cool with the stuff. Okay? I got it. I get it. <sighs> so much. Come on. So much. I'm, I'm in. I'm so I'm being glad. good. I'm, I'm being so glad good. that the house ghost hit you in the balls last night. Mm. What if, I really want that to be a thing that happens. I don't. I mean, not because I want you to be in pain. I just, I want you to have some other world experience so that then you're like, how big of a okay. crystal can we afford to buy? <laughs> that would be super annoying to have like a ball flicker ghost. Or instead of getting like pinched and smacked like, 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 like Carolyn or whatever, the parent, um, that I'm just getting like little squirreled, just getting flicked in the balls here and there. Oh my God. Well, can I tell you one more thing just before we yeah. go? When you were talking about the parent house and how old that house was and when right. it was built, Dan and I have this fantasy that we're going to move to New Orleans and retire there. And I just like... When I'm having a bad day, my escapism is to look at houses in New Orleans. And I was like, oh, we can't buy a very old house. We can't buy a house that had That's slaves. That's our future. That's our future. No, we can't buy a house that had slaves because what if the slave owner was a fucking dick? And mm-hmm. then like the slaves are haunting. And and if we ever, like in this magical fantasy world that I live in, if we ever were to buy a house in New Orleans, probably never going to happen, but let's just... Let's go there. Let's sure. live out my dreams. Yeah. Um, I need to talk to all the neighbors. I need to talk to the previous owners. I need to spend at least right. one, if not two nights in that house before we buy it. Like, there's going to be some hard rules. And I look like someone who could be cast in a movie as a slave owner. So 
that you I do. would have to I would have to get familiar with like the previous owners of the house and make sure that I don't happen to fucking look exactly <laughs> oh like one God. of those bastards. You really do look like right. you could be then, some then, white slave owning yeah. bastard. And then the and then the ghost is like fucking there he is. Fucking get him. There's old Joseph Cummins. I'm like, no, oh, I'm dead. I, I didn't even live here. Come on. It's Cummins, not Cummings. Cummins, no not G. Cummings, please. I didn't have nothing to do with this. Oh, my God. Oh. oh okay. Let's think about it. Well, that's all, that's all for today. Sorry that was a fun the, one, I hope. Sorry for the long rambles. Hey, but you know what? It's at the end. It's at the end. So you get the stories. I like it. You get the stories. If you don't want to listen to the ramblings, then you just move on to your next whatever. Yeah, whatevs. Right. Hey, man, whatevs. We, we, had, a, we had three uh, scary stories. I love today's episode. But that lady in the road. Yes. Fuck oh. me. That's, I am, what do we have going on tonight? Can we be together for the rest of the day? I, th- I think we can. Uh, yeah. Can I you think hold so. my hand all day? Oh, geez. Okay. Okay. Uh, please keep sending in your stories like that one to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. For everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thank you for listening or watching Scared to Death Bad Magic Production. Thanks to the Bad Magic Productions team, Harmony Bella Camp on social media, Joe Paisley producing and directing, Zach the Skeptic Flannery, part of the team here as well. <laughs> we got Monique helping out as well now, Monique Flannery. Uh, I believe Monique's last name is, is Flannery. I didn't even ask before. I assumed. How, how patriarchal of me. Uh, thanks to Sophie uh, Evans for, for helping to find these uh, creepy stories. Thanks to Joe Paisley, Zach Cohn, and Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds. Heather Rylander for taking over the My Story at ScaredToDeathPodcast.com. Emails. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want even more content like we talked about today at ScaredToDeathPodcast. Subscribe to Magic, Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch us. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. This was Scared to Death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within, scared to death. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 